You are listening to NFT Talk Show, where we put the T in NFT. I am your host, Tony Payne, and if you have ever wanted to know anything and everything, including all the juicy deeds about NFTs, you are in the right place. So buckle up, get ready, and let's go. Welcome to another episode of the NFT Talk Show podcast. I am Tony Payne. Oh my God. Um, I have some awesome news to share with y'all. Okay. First of all, we know that I will be speaking at NFT NYC, but today I got the best news. Um, wait for it. <laughs> my artwork will be displayed in Times Square. I'm, I don't, uh, I have no words. Like I'm still processing the whole thing. Um, I'm speechless, right? You know, I, I, I'm sure if you've been listening to um, the NFT talk show podcast for a while, you know how much of a big deal this is, especially for the genre of still life art. And you hear me complain all the time about how people have just not caught on to still life. And um, just for the simple fact that this is going to be in Times Square and it's going to be featured in the diversity of art, it is so meaningful because I think in the NFT space, when we see um, you know, events or things happening, we don't see diversity. We see the same specific types of genres all the time. And for NFT NYC to go as far as making sure that still life art is included and is, um, relevant. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. But, um, yeah, that's not why we're here though. <laughs> why we're here is because we're going to be talking about a very important topic. We're going to be talking about how to get your art in front of the right collectors. That kind of ties into it, right? Because Times Square collectors getting your eyes in front, um, art in front of eyes. But with me on today's show, I'm not alone. I have brought a friend of mine on the show today to discuss how to get your art in front of the right collectors. Um, she is a Web3 marketing strategist, a business coach, and co-founder of Conception Arts, an organization that has helped 5,000 artists on two continents. Who better to talk about this than her, right? And most importantly, she is also an artist in the NFT in the NFT space. She has been featured in so many magazines like the Wall Street Journal, Paper Magazine, and ABC News. She's like a big deal and she is my friend. Okay, I have friends that are big deals. <laughs> All right, welcome, Rachel. How are you? Oh my gosh, that was like a crazy, <laughs> amazing introduction. Now I, now I got to live up to the hype, right? You are, you know, you, you're living up to it. You, you're already living up to it. You're doing what you, you're doing what you need to do. <laughs> Thank well, you. Thank well, you for coming on the show to talk to um, my um, listeners. Please thank you for having me. And, and I just want to say, I am like sitting here with a big smile on my face as you're talking about getting accepted for M NFT NYC. Like I am so thrilled for you. So congratulations, my friend. Oh, thank you. Oh, deserved. I, you know, you're somebody who is, you know, an incredible creator, but you're always championing other people. So to see you and hear you, you know, the joy in your, in your voice, 
at actually getting your moment in the spotlight during this incredible event is just thrilling. So I'm okay, sorry. you're gonna you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I have been like trying not to cry all day. Okay, I have cried this morning when I first read it. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, and now you're gonna make me cry again. We don't want my listeners laughing at me. Stop. <laughs> but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I uh, it's it's such a moment, you know, because. Again, um, you know, I make a joke out of everything. I, I like to laugh, you know. So I always joke that I decided to choose the most difficult genre <laughs> that nobody cares about, <laughs> you know. And I'm also the one that goes on, you know, I'll go on Twitter. Are there any still life artists out there? Hello? Is there anybody out there? <laughs> but doesn't that make you like a trailblazer like isn't that isn't that what it's about web 3 it's like you're going to be the first you're like defining a pathway that others can follow oh my goodness you know um it's it's whew, it's amazing you know it's amazing because um you know when i first got into nfts and i decided i wanted to do still life um Right now, there's a handful of us, you know, there are a handful of us there, you know, people like Anna, um, people, another um, Renee um, that do still life as well, but we're not many. And, you know, I've reached out to these um, ladies like we feel like I mean, Anna tries her best, though. She really tries for the genre. And um, I feel like, you know, unless we start seeing like major success with the genre, like you would see with landscape and portraiture. There will be still life artists out there that do beautiful work. They're like, why should I? You know what I mean? So the, this this really means a lot. And, you know, when I first, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I have not been tempted to try other <laughs> genres. <laughs> but every time I start thinking maybe I should do something else because, you know, this is hard. This is not working. People might not like still life in Web3. I still fall back into this no. Tony, no, you're going to do this. No, you're going to stick with it. No, you're going to make it work. And you're going to make sure people see the value in still life. I mean, and I, I've written numerous Twitter <laughs> posts about this where I'm like, well, you know what? This is me comforting myself, by the way. You know what? Still, <laughs> still life is just following the path of history. <laughs> <laughs> where you know when in history in our history still life was like the bottom of the barrel right? right you know when it first started okay what is this thing why you know why are you shooting inanimate objects what is so special about inanimate objects right it was the bottom of the barrel what was special about it and it climbed and worked its way to the top to the point where you cannot see like world photography organization they have a still life, a still life category. You cannot see major art exhibitions now without a still life category. But in Web three, it seems like it's we're we're not catching on yet. So I, you know, I comfort. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're just you know following history. You know, pat myself on the back. Like don't cry, Tony. I, I don't think cry. it's amazing what you're doing because I think you know one of the one of the toughest things in Web three for me, yeah, a lot of creators is staying true to your craft and staying committed to your own ideas. Oh when gosh, just constant information and imagery 
like in front of us all the time. So to actually stay like stoically in your area of expertise and like be willing to continue to excavate your own ideas is like a superpower right now. It, it is. I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. You know, I'll admit it because, um, I'll drop something, you know, I've, I've dropped pieces that, you know, I would think, oh, this is amazing. This is beautiful. This is, you know, wow. Um, you know what? While I say wow, we're going to take a quick pause and I'm going to play you, um, a spoken word poem from oh a, piece, a piece I just dropped. So, um, pause. I lay awake, mind-bothered, flustered, trying to compose a visual song that would express the beautiful melody that my soul dances to. Yellow daffodils against green stems take my imagination into another realm. I am composed, thoughtful, mindful, because I must experience this wag me in a place where it feels like it's just me. But... I feel lost, jaded, I can't get faded, almost relegated, left discombobulated, with only a GM left to give. So, GM to the symphony of my still life. So, GM to you. All right, we're back. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that spoken word piece that I just played. Um, and it speaks to the experience of, you know, web three and the frustrations that I experience being a still life, um, still life artist. So like you were saying, um, Rachel, being able to stick to your genre, irrespective of the fact that it's not widely accepted and widely popular it, it's a superpower. I'm going to claim it. <laughs> I'm straight. Yes. I, I always try and think about, like, how do I operate as a collector? Now, granted, I'm not like a big, I'm not a whale or anything. I'm, you know, I, yeah. I tend to buy whatever I sell. Like, if I sell artwork, I buy right away. But, like, what are, what's important to me? Like, the most important thing is not like, okay, how much, how much value is this? Can I flip it? Like, Mm -hmm. clearly I'm not that kind of collector. Otherwise I'd have lots of money, which I do not. Um, (laughs) But what it, what's so important to me is like, is this artist still going to be around in five years? Are they still going to be doing what they're doing? Like, are they going to continue to like develop these ideas? And if I see that, like, that's, that's me jumping right in. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And I, I, you know, I, I've told the story so many times. Probably t- people are probably tired of hearing me say the same story over and over. <laughs> um, when I got into the NFT space, there was this young girl, um, you know, great artist, you know, that I, um, one of one artists that I would collect from. And she just left just like that. Mm. And her work was good. But, you know, she, I guess she was having issues. You know, it's hard. The NFT space, look, a lot of people have this idea that, oh, you're going to come into the NFT space and you're going to be making big bucks, millions. Yeah, there are people that are making big bucks in the NFT space. Don't get me wrong. But it is not the norm for everybody. 
when a lot of people come into the space, they heard, oh, this artist made this. Oh, wow, really? And then they come into the space and then they find that it's hard. It's actually hard work. It's probably even harder work than your regular job, <laughs> you know, in my opinion, because you always have to be present. Yep. At least in your regular job, you can clock out and go home, right? <laughs> go home, flip your TV on and relax. But in the NFT space, you literally are constantly moving. Mm -hmm. And you moving doesn't even mean you're going to fall in front of the right eyes. So we're, we're going to talk about this, how to get your work in front of the right eyes. And, you know, I want us to talk about it from, you're an artist as well, right? I want us to talk about it from an artist's perspective um, and from a collector's perspective, because you're, you're both. I mean, again, in the NFT space, a lot of artists do collect as well. So how do you, you know, how do you balance that? Being a collector, do you approach your art from the perspective of, if I were a collector, this is what I would want. And this is, and now me as an artist, this is what I'm going to do. Does that make sense? How I kind of framed that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. And I'm so glad we're having this discussion because it, it's really important. And it's also, you know, the cliche saying of it's really still very early in this space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'm an artist that didn't go to art school, right? So Forever, I had this idea that like my work wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to sell. I wasn't going to get in a gallery because I wouldn't be taken seriously. And, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately what happened is I came to New York with all these big ideas and tried to sell my work and was like, just none of the galleries would take me seriously. So I've been on this like evolution, like throughout my career where I'm, I've always felt like I'm behind and I've always used that, that feeling to like mm -hmm. motivate me to like do something different. And so, you know, back in 2007, when I was like, just getting doors literally closed in my face, I had one gallery literally close a door right in my face and it hit me in the nose. Oh, like, wow. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like very symbolic, but actually happened. Oh, uh, how rude. Oh my God. I would tell you who it was, but I'm, I've kept it secret this long, so I'm not going to out them. Um, you, should, but yeah. you should call them out. Yeah. <laughs> it was bleep. Yeah, you know. <laughs> call them out. Call them out. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, going through all that and then mm. realizing, okay, there is another pathway here. There is a way to, like, get my art in front of the right people. But the right people are not necessarily just the people that go to galleries. There are other people that love art. And that's when, you know, I ended up starting a, a business where we threw art events, right? And then that was kind of where I started to see that, you know, I just need to get my art in front of people who are passionate about it and who like it. Yeah. It's great. And, you know, I ended up like building a pretty good art business. I sold over six figures worth of my own artwork without a gallery. Beautiful. And, yeah. And so it was like, all right, this is possible. Somebody told me this wasn't possible. Society has told me this wasn't possible. But now I'm like out here doing it. Like that's a change of perspective. Like that's a total shift of paradigm. So when I came into the NFT space, I, I, I will say that like before, the year before, right? So we had the pandemic in 2020. Mm -hmm. I had not touched my own artwork in 10 years and you and I like when I say 10 years I'd, I'd still created art but I hadn't focused on my art business and you and I talked briefly about this before we came live like 
sometimes it's hard to balance being like a business person and also like promoting your own art. Your own art, yeah. Like you should, like it's so easy for us and natural for us both to like take somebody else from zero to a hundred. Yes. <laughs> right? But then when it comes to yourself, it's like, you know, sometimes it's just, it's hard. And so I hadn't done that for 10 years and then the pandemic happened and I found myself like home and I got back in the studio and I created this body of work. And the lesson from that body of work that I, I hope, you know, your listeners can, can, can take because mm -hmm. I think the same principles apply for the NFT space is I created work that I wanted to create, right? That it was like something that was like in my heart. And what that work was, it was a series that was focused on highlighting LGBTQ heroes from history. Mm -hmm. It was like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, Harvey Milk. And I did every day I did a portrait. And at the time I didn't really have like a mission. I was like, I just want to learn about these people that I feel like I should know more about. And I want to create every single day. And a lot of it was because like mental health wise, I needed something to like, keep me sane. And what ultimately happened was I had this collection that was like, super niche, right? Like, yeah, this collection, I'm like, all right, this is like 30 works of art. And it's very specific. Like, this is not work I can just go out and sell to anybody. Like this attracts a very specific audience. And I was like, Oh no, what have I done? Like, this is probably not a good thing. It was a great thing because what it did was it eliminated a whole group of people mm -hmm. made me very clear on who the audience was that I needed to reach. So I was able to like get laser focused about who my audience was for that collection and how and where they spend time. You know, um, this brings me to a conversation I had recently where um, I was talking about, I was talking to a friend of mine, her, um, I'm sure you probably know her in the space. Her name is May. Um, she's also a photographer and, you know, we had this discussion and I'm always the like, I mean, I, I do the glass half full thing, but then I'm always like, you know, the realist. I'm like, you know, a lot of times we're on Twitter, we're just putting our work out there, but we might not actually be reaching our core audience. Like, it's just like kind of throwing things in the air. But if we, what if we did something where we narrowed it down? Like, okay, this person likes, um, landscape. This person likes still life. This person likes, portraiture and we started to gather um a list of people that you know same way advertising works right where people look at behaviors like tony is more likely to buy tequila than vodka you know <laughs> and same way with art this person is more likely to buy photography than buy 3d or this person is more likely to buy still life than buy portraiture or buy landscape than buy still life. Um, I think, and I was telling her, I was like, we need to start putting similar to what you did, right? You, you focused it down and it paid off. Um, we need to start doing something more along those lines in the space. Um, because it seems like we're just grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding. And, you know, I've heard people complain, Oh, I've been, you know, I haven't had any sale, um, 
in months. I'm always retreating. I'm always helping others. I'm always doing this, but nothing works for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that energy <laughs> might be better That's served yeah. if you kind of just put it into finding I, I almost want to say your tribe, you know, when we think tribe, we think it's our people, right? But your collectors can be your tribe as well, right? Maybe finding your collector tribe um, oh, and, and creating some sort of list and then reaching out to this list and kind of building around this list and taking it from there, right? Yeah, I mean, I am still having re- repercussions, like positive things happening based on that collection that was done almost two years ago to the date and I haven't touched, I haven't created anything in that collection. So like the idea that, you know, I I think a lot of people, especially in the NFT space, it's like, well, I want to make sure I I have work that appeals, appears, appeals even to everybody because, you know, everybody's a buyer. It's like, no, actually when you decide to commit to something very niche, Mm -hmm you eliminate so many people, but you can get really, really focused on a very specific group. group and you yeah. can become like the best at that at that particular genre. Like you, Tony, you are now the authority of still life NFTs because you you are. <laughs> I mean let's like I know it's and it can seem scary when you're like the first and you're out here and you're like, but nobody else is doing this. It's like, yeah, but that's actually a really good thing. Because guess what? When the numbers start coming in, which we know they are, like mm-hmm. there's going to be more and more mass adoption. There's going to be more people flooding the space. You're there and you're taken seriously and you're a first and you're a trailblazer. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's funny you say that. Um, so um, <laughs> I'm so petty. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I did. So. Pretty much, you know, I'm obviously um, a woman and um, a woman of color and a still life um, artist in the space. And, you know, a lot of times we tend to attach historical events or historical um, things to who you are as a human being. Right. So I was like, well, I hope when they're writing in NFT, you know, when they start doing this whole NFT history. Right. I was like, I hope they do not exclude me and they know that I was the first, <laughs> um, you know, woman of color, still life. And I, I did a whole thread about it. <laughs> I document things. I'm, I'm a big, you know, I am a big fan of documenting things, even if it's through your tweets, even if it's through a blog post, I document things because history is very funny. And the people who write history they can forget and they can exclude people. So you will always have that thing on, you know, either the blockchain, which is the beauty of the blockchain as well, right? Okay. Um, you know, so when you want to mention um, still life artists um, in NFTs right now, um, you know, my name will obviously pop up, right? You can't, you, there's no way you can exclude me, right? <laughs> you know, but that tends to happen over time, you know, especially when more people come into the space and um, maybe the genre takes off and it's somebody, you know, maybe it might not even be the people that started it, right? That made the genre popular in NFTs, right? I've seen that happen so many times where um, somebody would have been working very hard 
in a particular field and then somebody else reaps mm-hmm. fruits. I see it. I've, I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it happen a lot. You know, I'll give you a good example. Like, you know, I was telling you earlier, um, you know, when, before we got on the show that I used to, um, I used to be an artist manager, like for music. I used to work in the music industry. I, I was a music exec. I did artist management and PR. And when I started in, you know, um, music, the genre that I was working in was Afrobeat. And back then, it was a struggle. Same thing that's going on now, right? For us to even get heard. Mm. So for us to get seen, but we were, we were the people building, right? But guess what? We're not the people reaping. Yeah. It is so amazing to me. And, um, you know, right now, um, I was watching the Billboard Awards and there was an artist, his name is Burna Boy, and he performed at the Billboard's Awards. And I had such a proud moment because I was like, you know, when we started building, this is what we had dreamt of. Mm. We dreamt of that day where, you know, our sound Afrobeat was going to go from, you know, place to place to the world. And I mean, it's been what, like 20 years. <laughs> it's been 20 years and it finally is happening. Now it's mainstream. Now I'm driving. I switch on the radio and I hear Afrobeat on the radio. Wow. It's amazing. Now Beyonce is singing Afrobeat. Wow. And back when we started it was like crickets same it's it almost feels like it's like history repeating itself so for me I'm like you you have to document these things you have to let them know so you don't get written out of history um you know shameless plug by the way on the 27th of May this month on Netflix there's going to be a documentary that I will be featured in called Afrobeat the backstory and, you know, it all comes together. We put in this work and, you know, somebody recognized that and did a documentary and reached out to me and said, you were like the first woman, you know, there was no other, like for real out there. You were the first of many um, that started this movement and I can't exclude you. And, you know, we did an interview. Um, so yeah, it's going to be on Netflix on the 27th of May called Afrobeat, the backstory. Um, but just the fact that in NFTs now we're seeing it again, where genres are being started and, um, people are working hard, but they might, you know, maybe 10 years from now, it'll be another artist that somebody said, Oh, the, the still life artist in NFT, yada, yada, yada. And everybody's forgotten who we are. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's the, like you said of the blockchain, like it's legacy, like the blockchain. Yes cannot lie this cannot be deleted like yes can i just say something that i just noticed that's really freaking funny so used to being on twitter spaces that Mm -hmm. as you were talking and talking about your documentary i was like looking for the heart button (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh no like trying to send you flowers and give you love as you're talking. <laughs> hundreds press a hundred press a hundred <laughs> <laughs> oh, so crazy it's so we're like we're like living in the metaverse already we but, are like, we like, are <laughs> you know it'll be interesting to eventually take this podcast and start hosting it in the metaverse <laughs> yes, I'm ready for it i'm ready for it but I think, and, and then you can throw your hundred and your heart emojis. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw physical things at you right now. I, 
No, I think I love that you, you know, obviously talked about like the omission of like black and brown voices and especially that of black and brown women voices. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, throughout history and culture and art. Like, I mean, you've only got to look at the art museums to see just how ridiculous that is. The yes. And so I, I just that's that's what the blockchain is, is about. Like for me, like I think we we overlook like so much of what really is happening here. Like I was in a Twitter space recently and there was a it was a it was a shell space and there was an artist and she's like, you know, can you help me? Like I'm just really struggling. I'm having such a hard time because you know, I've been doing this for so long and I haven't made a sale. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm really sorry, like how long have you been doing this? And she's like about six weeks. And I was like, girl, <laughs> try come, try us. We've been here a year. Well, never mind a year. Like, talk about like twenty years. Like, I'm forty one. Like, this is. I, you know, I've been trying to sell and create and you know carve out a name yes. for myself as an artist for almost two decades. Like, yes, and I, I know, like, it's like everything moves super fast in in the nft space in the nft space yeah and it can seem like you're behind but you're really not like you're not so <laughs> freaking early but you know i think that if we could take a moment to be like and i know we're here to talk about how to get in front of more collectors and we'll definitely dig into it but like let's remember that like this is so early the collectors are not even here yet like it's a small yeah. percentage yeah. Like, let's remember that you know there's two things here that are really magic, and that's technology, like the ability to be able to fuse technology with our work. Like I don't even think we're scratching the surface with that yet. And then legacy, like being able to put our life's work on a blockchain for future generations to know what we were doing, what we were. Yes. Thinking. Wow, that makes me excited. That yeah, that is that is amazing. Um. You know, I, I'm, I mean, you're an experimental artist in the space and um, I'm a photographer in the space. And it, it is so amazing how we can come together and have these shared experiences. Um, and the one thing that kind of, I'll say, unifies us is the fact that the blockchain changes the game for all of us. You know, I always used to say like photography and NFTs are like the perfect marriage because photography for the longest time, it's like, okay, um, World War One happened. Who took the photo? Mm. Imagine if it was, if there was a blockchain back then, if somebody had minted it back then, if they said, you know what I mean? Like imagine all these historical events that Mm. took place. Imagine if they were minted, like you would actually have a timestamp. Yeah. You know, on, oh, this is around this. There's no guessing game. This is the artist that t- took it. I have um a friend of mine whose um, uncle was like this huge photographer. And um I guess he passed on and a lo- his work was being touted by some random person in the family. It was like a whole court battle, right? Or who owns the rights to the work. And I feel like now the blockchain, you know, who owns this NFT? We know who owns the NFT. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it eliminates that. It eliminates the um question of um ownership. It eliminates the question of, you know, historical time stamping. It eliminates the question of who created it. Mm-hmm. Right? 
eliminates all that. And I, I think it's, it's such a beautiful, um, it's such a beautiful thing. Throwing up hundreds and heart emojis. It's amazing. And I just think we're all going to look back on like this, this two year kind of onboarding season that we're in right now and be like, wow. Remember when we thought it was like moving too slow for us? Yes. It's, it's really early and there's so much, so much coming, so much ahead. I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's also time, you know, when people say we're building, um, I think a lot of people think, oh, you just have to actually be doing something like, you know, working on some, it could just even be creating your craft, you know, building your brand, having, this is who I am as an artist. Cause a lot of times, you know, even artists, sometimes, you know, we have situations where we're just coming into ourselves, right? We're experimenting. We're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to define who we are as an artist. And I think that's part of building. That's part of saying, okay, this is what I want to be. This is the type of artist that I want to be. And being surrounded by other artists and people, you know, like you, Rachel, that I can, oh, hey, Rachel, what's up? Talk to him. We can have these conversations and not feel alone in the space and not feel like I'm doing this all by my, I mean, yeah, we do have those moments where you feel like, oh, I'm by myself, but knowing you can still have these type of conversations, you can listen to these type of conversations to see that you're not alone. And even the most accomplished, the biggest names um, in the space still have these moments where they're redefining and finding themselves and just kind of navigating the space. I think it is so refreshing, um, especially for, you know, like the artists that told you they've been there for six, <laughs> six weeks. Wow. Six, <laughs> but the web three space is like that. It makes you feel like, you know, a week you should have had like 20 sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but <sighs> well, it, it's funny because I, I don't know whether it's like an artist thing or maybe it's a Taurus thing. You're a Taurus too, right? Like I'm an I'm an Aries. I'm an Aries. My, I'm I am. I'm right. I'm right. But my That's... my grandmother's a Taurus, so I'm very familiar with um go getters. They love money, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what went wrong with me because I well I can tell you we can talk about that, but like um. Yeah, I like money, but I also like spending money. So it kind of goes. That's it. That's why I said they love money. My grandmother, my grandmother is forever renovating her house. (laughs) If you give my, you know, we we have this running joke in the family that if you give my grandmother a million dollars today, she'll find something to spend it on. (laughs) Oh my god, we were kindred spirits, but you know, I was thinking about how I I, even that like the highlights of my career. Yeah. Like one of the biggest moments that I've ever had right before those moments or even during those moments, I've had like crippling self-doubt, like crippling self-doubt. And it's like, is that the artist in us? Is that like the, you know, is that it one? is, it is right. It is. So there's the saying, you're your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think with um art, when you create art, right. I walk into the studio now and I create a piece, right? I'm putting myself, like you're vulnerable. When you put your art out there, you're literally putting yourself out there. You're putting your vulnerability out there, like for people to 
um, judge, for people to dissect, for people to, especially the judgment part, because you never know, you might look at your work right now and be like, this is awesome. I love this. This is me. This is what I'm trying to express. And then you put it out there and somebody goes, what's this? (laughs) You know what I mean? Those are thoughts that will go through an artist's mind, right? So I I think it's normal for um, a creative to be this way. And I think that's why you also see a lot of creatives um, fall into depression. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of creatives have mental health issues because we just put this, we put the weight of the world on our shoulders and we... Um, you know, when you're creating art, you want your, you want your creation to be accepted, right? You want people to see what you see or else you wouldn't have put it out there. Right. And when you feel like people are not seeing what you see, it can be a big burden on your mental health. It can be a big burden, um, on you as a, as a person or as a creative. I've, you know, I've seen people go, I'm not making art for a while. I'm just going to give it a break because they don't feel accepted. They don't feel it resonates with people. And um, that's where we need to start, again, calling ourselves to order um, and reminding ourselves why we're, why we're artists in the first place, right? Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned mental health. Like, you know, I, I've been in recovery from alcoholism for nine years. Like, mm-hmm. I... The, the rate of addiction in the creative community is like astronomically higher than most industries. Yeah. Because we're such critical thinkers, but we're also really hard on ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Then, absolutely. You know, yeah. and go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, no, agree- I'm, I'm agreeing I, with you a hundred, a hundred percent. You know, like the, the, I think there's just so few areas of like industry where you deal with two things that we deal with as artists one is like people bothering with you right mm-hmm. can you imagine any other industry like going to the hair salon getting your hair cut going to the counter to pay and they're like okay that's three hundred dollars and you're like how about i give you two right <laughs> could, you, could you imagine like that in any i other, know like but that happens to us right like it's yeah like oh you know it's a bit bit out of my budget how about i give you 250 no that's not the place exactly like that's one thing that i think always puts us on like a back foot and then the other one is like the the audacity of people to give you critique where it's not invited yeah i have had like so much like so many mean things said over my career that i actually ended up I ended up keeping like you talking about keeping notes like I kept a record of all the nasty stuff that happened oh wow I actually turned them into artwork oh that's smart (laughs) I I created nfts and that was actually my first collection that I brought out in March 21 and you know I sold a couple it it kind of flopped Um, I can talk a little bit about like some lessons learned there but you know it there's not a lot of industry really other than the creative arts where you're vulnerable to that kind of behavior so i think that just as creatives we have to have this this thicker skin and it's not for everybody and i think that's why you know especially we're seeing like people come into the nft space now and you know some folks have seen okay this is a great way to make a couple of quick bucks because of course how the the media has portrayed it like Mm -hmm. oh yeah 
sell some JPEGs, make some millions. Like, <laughs> no, that's no. not what it is. It isn't. It it's isn't. Find and like thick skin and commitment to your craft. So exactly. And you know, you. I mean, there was one time I was in um in my Discord. And somebody had said, oh, um, Tony, um, you know, asking advice. Like, is it okay if I just make some art and then come back? Like when, once it's sold, I just leave and come back a few months later. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dear. I was like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I don't think that sounds right. <laughs> like you literally have to have a mission, right? Like, again, I say, you know, um, why are you an artist? Um, what are you trying to achieve? And I believe, you know, you're a collector as well as an artist. I believe people see that. Um, but then again, it's also important to get in front of the right eyes for them to see it, right? You can be the greatest artist with the best intention. And if you're not in front of the right eyes, nothing, right? Nothing happens, you know? So... There's like a couple of things that I think are worth talking about. Like before you even get to the point where you're trying to like get in front of those eyeballs, because that, that's all this is, right? We're trying to get in front of eyeballs that make decisions to buy our artwork, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not rocket science, but there are some like really core fundamental things that I think we have to work on before we even try and do that. Absolutely. And one of the biggest that I think is like, it's a problem with a lot of people because I hear it in the language they use sometimes in Twitter spaces is they have limiting beliefs about money. And I had to do a lot of work on this and I still do. Like, so essentially when whatever you tell yourself about money is like a self self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if mm -hmm. I say, if I say, okay, I don't think my collectors can afford 0 0.07 ETH. I'm not going to attract collectors that can afford 0 0.7. Exactly. If I say, you know what, my work is 0 0.7 ETH, and it's, is this, can I swear? Um, A little bit. I'm going to drop an F-bomb. But, but you guys we can, know We can say freaking is fine. Okay. It's freaking <laughs> worth it, right? So, you know, like, it, it's all about, like, mindset and, there are, you know, there's definitely like some exercises that you can do. One of the best things that I ever did with a, with a business coach was, um, they said, well, what's your relationship with money? It's like, well, your relationship with money is formed when you're a kid, right? Because it's based on the relationship that your parents or caregivers have with money. So for me, I grew up with a single mom and she worked really, really hard mm -hmm. to give me everything that I needed. And so what did I see? I saw my mom work 18 hours a day really really hard to make money so as an adult now if money comes to me easy i think i don't deserve it because yeah. i don't work 18 hours a day to make it hmm. so what do i do when i make it i spend it because i don't feel like <laughs> i deserve it so this might you might be thinking well what the hell has this got to do with selling your artwork it's got a lot to do with it because it's gonna come across in how you your, your level of confidence and your pricing so just really, you know, taking some time to like understand what your relationship with money is and then remembering that, you know, selling artwork is not an act of like desperation. Like it's actually an act of love. Like yeah. I try to reframe this with people because I'll say, all right, well, 
well, let me ask you, Tony, like when you think of selling, mm-hmm. what are like some words that come up? <clears throat> when you think of like standing somewhere trying to sell a piece of art, what comes up? Um, you mean words? Yeah. Um, in terms of like selling my art? Yeah, like what are the feelings that come up when you think about selling? Um achievement? Okay, so um, you're fine. You don't need any work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The number one thing that comes up when I do this exercise with people is like pushy, greedy. Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> used car salesman, like desperate and like can you imagine if that's what you're putting out there? Like, yeah. Think about, and I always ask people, I'm like, think about what is that emotion when you've sold a piece of artwork to somebody and you've been in person and handed that piece of artwork to them? What is the emotion they are experiencing? Happiness. Happiness, yeah. Joy. Right? Like, yeah. so that, that's an energy exchange of love that comes from what you created. So, you know, having that like understanding of like, okay, what I'm doing brings joy and what I'm doing is worth what I'm pricing it at. That's like one oh one foundational level stuff that is gonna percent. Hundred percent. You know, I um let me give you it's my usual um hilarious example. <laughs> I say like some people will go to a restaurant or a, a nightclub. And they will spend 10 grand on a bottle of champagne. Why are they spending 10 grand on a bottle of champagne? Because it makes them happy. So why should art be any different? Right? At least art, you know, you don't piss it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So people, people's, people spend money on things that they love. Why do people spend so much money on a Birkin? It's a purse. There are tons of purses out there because it makes them feel happy. It makes them, it gives them a sense of, you know, a a certain feeling. And I think art, I mean, for me personally, I think art should be looked at the same way. So you're right. Um, Again, it's having people see the perspective of they're not, because a lot of people, a lot of artists in the NFT space, I've noticed this and um, it's like, they have this feeling like, oh, when their art is being picked up, they're being done a favor mm-hmm. versus it's a mutual relationship. Um, it's, you know, mutual respect. I, I always say, you know, you got to mutually respect each other. I respect my collectors as an art collector and somebody that sees value in art. And my collector respects me as a creative and somebody that's even that's able to create this piece of work. Right. And it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, I create something that gives them a certain feeling, um, you know. So, yeah, I'm not sure if you know um, this collector in the space. His name is Frankie. No, but that's um, my dog's name. So that's really cool. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I totally do. Oh, oh, maybe maybe it's a different Frank. Frankie the Tanky. I know the name's funny. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. I like his name. So um, he recently collected one of my um, still life pieces from Legends called White Walls. And um, when he did, he messaged me and told me the reason um, he collected it. It, you know, kind of re- he had some sort of like relation to the piece. Right. Um, and for me, 
the fact that he was able to connect with the piece on a more personal level, I'm creating art. Mm-hmm. I don't know if somebody, you know, is coming who are who's going to collect this piece. I don't know who it is, right? I'm just in there, you know, creating something that I feel resonates with my soul, my creativity. I, I always say my art is very spiritual. I create art based on how I'm feeling spiritually, right? And when I put these pieces out there, it's like it's rhythm. It's my soul. I'm bearing my soul to you. And just to see somebody come from you know, somewhere and go, this piece connects with me on a personal level. Whereas when I was creating it, I didn't know that was what's going to happen. I just know, you know, somebody's going to collect it. I don't know who, um, I don't know what it's going to do for them. And, um, you know, he had mentioned he wanted to gift it as well to someone, um, based on the connection. And I, you know, it got me very emotional that day. Like, that's why we do this, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that is why we do this. That is why art is such an important subject. It's an important thing just in life generally, right? I, I don't think life would be the same without art. So mm-hmm. why should we not put value on this thing? You know, oh, that. Well, you can't put a price on that. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like say, oh, oh, my work does not, uh, my work does not deserve Really? If I could have, say my work was, my work is priceless. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yep. pri- it's priceless. You know how many conversations can be started? You know how many, you know how many people can stand in front of my piece and meet each other and get married? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> it can happen. Like, uh-huh. oh, so those berries look very scrumptious. Oh, you like oh. berries? I do like berries. Oh, mm-hmm. really? What's your name? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> boom! A twenty pain, pain piece got two people married. <laughs> you know, I think we're in a renaissance, and I, I know that word gets thrown around here, but like, in terms of the way we think about artists, because mm-hmm. artists were like the celebrities back in the day, right? Yeah, and today we find ourselves in this place where like the Kardashians are the celebrities and I'm no offense to the Kardashians. They're very good at making money. They're businesswomen. <laughs> Great. But like, you know, I think we're getting back to a place where creativity is being respected again. Oh yeah. That is exciting. Very, very. And I, I also think, um, you know, the NFT technology is helping with that. Now I think again, you know, when you're starting out something, you're always going to have like bumps along the way, right? I think, you know, the, along the way we have kind of fallen back as to why we're here, you know, with the whole rug pulls, PFP projects taking precedent and um, one of one art seemingly um, taking the back burner to these rug pulls. And it's like people would rather pay three ETH for a Kevin, then pay one ETH for a beautiful piece of art. Um, Seeing that play out in the NFT space, I think, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have those bumps. And I am really glad to see that we're navigating those bumps and we're starting to see like, you know, um, one of an art still coming back on top. Right. Um, Because when I got into the NFT space, that was why I got into the NFT space was I saw the connection of one of one art with the technology and it made a whole lot of sense to me 
you know, it made a whole lot of sense to me. And I think as we go along, like you said earlier, we don't even have, like collectors have not entered the space. And I think it, when it does happen, it will make a whole lot of sense. And it will be, I think we will go from, you know, the way contemporary art is viewed now, it's going to be its own um, genre in its own self. Like how art is being collected will become, maybe it's now digital art. No, maybe it's not called NFT art anymore, right? Maybe it's now digital art. And this is how digital art is collected, you know. First of all, I just need to say something because I'm realizing this could be problematic. Um, my dog is sat right next to my computer. <laughs> Hi, Frankie. And Frankie <laughs> is a heavy breather. So if anyone's hearing any strange breathing, it's Frank, not me. Just Frank. <laughs> 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 so that. Rachel um, had to do the disclaimer, like, I'm not a heavy breather. That's the, the dog. Wink, wink. <laughs> Like Tony's never gonna interview me again. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, one of the things that was really interesting to me was so right at the beginning of mm-hmm. 2021 when this was all kicking off, I had interviewed Burnt Banksy on my podcast. Yeah, he was the guy. For those who obviously don't know, he's the guy who bought the Banksy original piece for ninety thousand dollars from a mm-hmm. gallery in Chelsea. And then set fire to it in a Brooklyn park. But before he set fire to it, they took a photograph of it and they minted it and sold it on the blockchain for, I want to say like at least double. It was like at least like 180 grand. And so, you know, it was a big PR stunt. And yeah, I got to interview him and we ended up, I spent a day in the city with him and, and a journalist from the New Yorker and they were doing this piece on him. And I said to him, you know, help me out here because I'm really struggling to understand. Like, I, I understand that NFTs are assets and they have value and I get that. But how are we going to experience these? Like, are we going to all have LCD screens in our homes where we, you know, we exhibit our collection? And he said, you know, you amen. Great. <laughs> it was still like, all right, I get it. But is that it? And he said, well, you're thinking about it wrong. He said, because my generation, he was like 20 something. Mm-hmm. We don't go to each other's houses. Like that's not a thing. Like we don't go to dinner parties at each other's houses. Like you, no offense, old lady. forties uh, <laughs> do. Like he said, we meet in the metaverse. It's like, we hang out. Like my friends are in Singapore and China. And that is true. I'm like, Oh my, like my head nearly fell off. I'm like, He's like, yeah, we'll have exhibits of, we'll exhibit our collections in the metaverse. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is a really important conversation and a really important moment to realize that, that that's where we're going to exist. You know, it's funny that you um, bring that up and I'll, I'll tell you, I never even actually thought about this and you are right. Like when you really, really look at NFTs now, um, not only does it serve your traditional art collectors, right? It also serves people like him who want to exhibit in the metaverse because, because NFTs are, you know, digital. You can have it on the screen. Yep. You can have it in your wallet. You can have it in the metaverse. You can have it on, you know, a cyber gallery. 
Like literally you can have it in any form that you want. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. You know, I always, for me, I always thought the best form um, was, you know, have it on a digital screen in the home. But now that you mention it, you're right. They're, they're, they have like the TikTok age where, you know, everything they do is online and that's how they show their friends what they um, own. Right. Not necessarily in their house. Um, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Like if I, you know, had, if I was like, 17 had an nft i'd be taking it to school <laughs> not in my house <laughs> those backpacks that have tv screens on them yeah oh yeah that's gonna be another thing I, I have a friend in the um in the nft space she's a fashion designer and she has these really cool backpacks that just do display nfts um i'm not sure if she's planning to mass produce them but if she does i think she'll make a whole lot of money i would buy that like i would totally get one to display my nfts like a rotating nft backpack pretty cool that's amazing yeah (laughs) but yeah so um i wanted to ask you know being somebody that is um an artist in the space and also does um collect nfts What do you think is the best way coming from a collector's perspective for an artist to be seen? Hmm. That's a really great question. So I I, want to be careful how I answer this because I recognize that a big chunk of our community Mm -hmm. are are introverted. Yes. I actually don't think that the community is doing enough introverts yet i think that the focus of nft promotion is entirely on twitter and clubhouse and Mm -hmm. my concern with that is that the loudest people succeed yes confident people succeed i'm about to scream a big yes right i totally agree with you on this and that's that's not right because it doesn't mean yes. the, talented, the most talented people rise to the top, right? It means the loudest people. Exactly. I'm not gonna lie, I benefit from that. I I'm not afraid to get up in a room and you know talk about whatever. And you know I'm not a great public speaker, but it doesn't it it you know I can do it, right? I've always been very conscious of like, okay, we have to elevate the quieter voices in the room. But mm-hmm. with that said, I think the, the most effective way to build collectors is, first of all, to, to really drill down on your niche, right? To make sure that you know why you create the work that you do. Yes. So have a reason, have a motivation, have a calling. If you don't, get a piece of pen and get a piece of paper and a pen and write, right? If you're not a writer, write bullet points. Get this out on paper and have become a storyteller. Like we have, we are storytellers as creatives, but if you can tell a good story and you can hone that craft again and again, mm-hmm. it's going to help you get in front of the right people. Your story will resonate with somebody. And I think the the hesitation for a lot of people, oh, sorry, I think my dog's having an asthma attack. Hold on one sec. Okay. Frankie, you okay? Cranky wants to speak. <laughs> he has terrible allergies right now, and he keeps having little attacks. So, give me one second. No problem. You okay, Frank?
All right. So, where was I? Uh, we love the dogs. We love the dogs. And he's very special. We love the dogs. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, the hesitation from people with storytelling is oh, I'm not a good storyteller. Right? Mm-hmm. I always counter that with like, we are human beings and we have been telling stories since the days when we were like cave people sitting around the campfire at the end of the day like it is in our dna to tell stories yes totally agree right so like get comfortable doing it by just telling it to your nearest and dearest people doesn't have to be like a huge essay that you're telling it's just enough that is a, a human experience like a human reason as to why you create this work so that i think is like first number one then it's you know shilling spaces and art magazines have two things in common okay how artists always say to me like i I say what publication do you want to be in more than anything that's usually like art news Mm -hmm. art chinado whatever who reads those magazines art collectors no artists (laughs) artists (laughs) oh my god you know what you're so right you're so right you are so right oh you know <laughs> so who attends shilling spaces artists uh-huh. so, wow <laughs> that's a good one right now i'm not saying that artists are not collectors because you and i both collect but they're not yeah. necessarily they're not your audience mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you're so right so my I, I think the best advice i could give is when you know your reason, your motivation, mm-hmm. your inspiration, or what it is that you're trying to say, you need to figure out where the people that resonate with all of those or one of those things hang out. And then you need to go be the artist in the room. Yeah. For example, if you are a fashion artist, you create fashion, I don't know, designs. That's not my jam. I don't know the lingo. But... I wouldn't be going into fashion NFT rooms. I would be going into rooms where they're talking about like fashion technology and Web3. Exactly. And asserting myself as the authority in NFT fashion art. You're making a very good point right now. Like even for me, it's, it's clicking. <laughs> like when you like, I, I'll go back like a year, like into like how we, how we do this in the IRL art world. Mm-hmm. Like if I have an artist that I'm working with who does like eco-conscious work, right? She creates work using found materials and it's very much about like waste and, you know, ecology and the environment. And so what I encourage her to do is like join all the Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups of people who are passionate about that topic and then go in and introduce yourself and tell them what you're doing. Don't go in trying to sell. Go in and be like, hey, I'm an artist. This is really, I'm really passionate about these causes and these these topics. And here is some work that I produce. Mm-hmm. The sale is the secondary thing that comes from that. But you all of a sudden are the name. You're the household name. You're the go-to. Yes, for that thing. Yep. Very smart. So instead of trying to become like another artist, 
in a crowded room become the only artist in a new room. And you're very smart. Very, very smart. Very smart. You know, it's funny. You, I was saying, um, I, I told a friend of mine that I was going to do a pitch deck um, because I'm about to take my art to all the restaurants. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking my art to every single restaurant in LA. I'm going to do a pitch deck every hotel. I want my stuff up on all the walls. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is web three, right? I'm literally saying, okay, you know what? I want to be the web three artist in the space. Yep. Right. That is a, that is very interesting. I like that approach. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm taking from it. I, I'm gonna write this. I'm gonna listen to this. I listen to the podcast too, by the way. <laughs> I do. I listen to the podcast on my drives because I enjoy, you know, going back and actually when it's different when you're, um, hosting and when you're actually listening, um, to absorb the conversation. Cause I do learn a lot from the podcast myself. Um, besides talking, right? And I'm going to go listen to this again and kind of put my pen um, to paper because I'm going to utilize this because you're right. Instead of trying to be an artist in a room full of artists, why not try to be the only artist in a room full of other people? And a way you can even amplify that even louder Mm -hmm. is by coining your own movement, coining a term for your own movement. So, you know, when you think back, we've had like the modernists and the abstract mm-hmm. expressionists and the blah, blah, blah. They, those names started somewhere with one artist or one uh, critic. Why not coin a term for what you're doing? Exactly. So, do you, um, do you have one in mind? Oh, I do. Wait. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a cool story. <laughs> so. Obviously, <laughs> I always have a cool story, don't I? So obviously I do, um, I do poetry and I do photography, right? And, um, you know, it's like, okay, in the web, you know, NFT space and web three space, um, I want to do something, like you said, your own movement. So I came up with something called poetry. <laughs> I love it. So poetry, if you look at one of my, 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 my first poetry photography piece on foundation, um, I kind of wrote about it, you know, poetry is a combination of photography and, um, spoken word poetry. So poetry is this new genre that in my mind I've created to, um, you know, signify photography and poetry, it's, you know, still moving it's still images plus moving words right um so yeah poetry it's hopefully it becomes a thing (laughs) hopefully it becomes a thing you never know it might become a big thing i think it's amazing i think you you. should go go trademark it quickly before i i I should i really should right someone's gonna steal it or you just (laughs) start talking about it and make sure it's date stamped so that you can say that, you know, you talk. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. It's date stamped. It's already minted. Um, That's on the, it's on the blockchain. So, yeah. It doesn't lie. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, I, you know me. I told you I document everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I am not going to be written out of history. <laughs> no, I don't know whether you saw yesterday, but there was, uh, I, I can't think of, I think it's called Homework. There was something that was launched that is a generative, like, plug and play uh 
I guess, piece of software where mm-hmm. you can take music and art and do like randomly generated projects. And just as you were talking about your poetry, I was like, what if we could do that with your, with your still life, where each item in your still life represented like a line of poetry poetry that'd be interesting like it's and it's just generated it's generated yeah so then every person would get a different piece of poetry that might not make any sense well that would be interesting if you can you send it to me um yes but yeah i'll look into it like right now i do it manually where um i'll create a piece or either i do it this way either either or either i write the poem first and i create a piece for it or I create a piece and then I write a poem for it. And um, so what I do is once the piece is done, then I voice the poem mm. um, and then I add the audio to the to the still life piece. So I mean, much more valuable given that it's like one of one. Yeah, it's a one of one for sure. And it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but that's that's going to be the vibe. I'm working on something right now that's so amazing. Um, you know, my my culture, um, the Yoruba culture, we have this thing called um it's called Oriki and it's poetry, right? It's like poetry that talks about a person, a place. It's like your oh, what's the best way to put this in English? Um it's like your praise. Like if I want to talk about Rachel. There is a poem that that signifies who Rachel is, yeah. if that makes sense. And throughout history, um, that poem will follow Rachel throughout history, throughout her generations. And when her generations want to talk about Rachel, this is how they recognize her. Yeah. This is how they speak of her, who Rachel was, and um, who Rachel was, what her ancestry was, and things like that. So it could be, you know, Rachel, the strong woman that does this, yada, yada, yada. She's from blah, 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 the queen of um, Liverpool. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll take that title. I like that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's done in such a beautiful way. And um, we do it for people. We do it for um, um, places. We do it for family, um, like, you know, your Oh, what's the word? It skips my head. Like your your family, like you know your. Gosh, what is this? Boom, Tony. Uh, I could be an airhead sometimes, but anyways, you know, like your your family, like your family background, like your what is that word called? Not like ancestry. Your, ancestor, your ancestry, but like your lineage. Your lineage. Oh my goodness, Tony. Yeah, so your lineage will have its own, and it will be passed on from generation to generation to generation. And when they speak, when you say, oh, where are you from? And you say it, they know what your lineage is. Wow. It's it's so beautiful. And even, you know, you we even have it to the point where, like, let's say um, I got married, for instance, right? I can give my husband or whoever, my partner, that name, like a name, maybe um, a name like, let me see. Uh, I'm just trying to think of one, hmm. like um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I know like, I was gonna give like okay, like for me, for me for instance, right? I can say you know like this is my name. My name is um, um, Ajike, right? 
And that is my Oriki. That pretty much means like she is somebody that when you see her, you have to take care of her. Like she is worthy of being taken care of. Or I can say somebody, say my name is Ayoke, like somebody that you see and you're always, um, happy to see or somebody like a strong woman or somebody that, you know, so beautiful. Yeah, it it is beautiful. So I'm planning to incorporate a lot of that into my, into my work. Um, Yeah, I, I, I mean, I want part my, I want my, um, my culture, my ancestry to follow me because you know the work you put out is very important, and I feel like you know a hundred years from now when I'm long gone and people t- start to talk about Tony's work or well, hopefully they do. <laughs> um, these pieces will at least give them an idea of who I was as a human being, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. I think we are approaching. <laughs> oh gosh, this conversation! I feel like we could talk for hours I, and hours. I know. And, I'm and, like, is, can we make this a seven-hour podcast? I know. I feel like, oh my goodness, and I, I'm like, oh, we gotta go. Yay! Tears, tears. Part two, and we do my show or something. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that. I would love that. Um, and for everyone listening. Um, Rachel does tell us about your show tell us about your show quickly before we before we wrap sure so it's um, an NFT and coffee I filmed um, a bunch of episodes when I was in LA for NFT LA we are just filing finally finalizing even um, mm-hmm. the uh, editing and it's going to be out in the next couple of weeks uh, it is a video podcast Tony <laughs> so we have to put makeup on for that one no! <laughs> yeah. well, we'll get the glam team ready <laughs> yeah but i i am like primarily focused on elevating um you know on underrepresented uh artists uh mm-hmm. trails trailblazers and builders and just having meaningful conversations about what this new technology means for us in the future i would love to watch where where can they watch it once it's live it'll be on youtube and it will also it's nft coffee time is the youtube channel and then okay. uh, also Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of all of the places where you listen to podcasts. So okay, beautiful. We got some awesome guests in season one: uh, Pablo Stanley, Ashira Fox. Uh, too many to mention. Too many awesome beautiful. people. So, beautiful. Yeah. I and look then, forward to that. <laughs> I can't wait to have you on and continue this conversation. Yes, we do. We do need to continue. I enjoy this conversation a hundred and twenty percent. I'm throwing up my heart Thank emojis. <laughs> One hundred, one hundred, one hundred. Thank you, um, so much, Rachel. Um, and if they want to find you besides um NFT and coffee time, um, how can they find you? Sure, my Twitter handle is Rach NYC Talk, and I'm stuck with that because I've had it for about fifteen years. I can't <laughs> that handle, but yeah, R A C H M Y C Talk T A L K, and I would love to hear from anyone who is a fan of Tony. Because uh, Tony is amazing. And Thank awesome. you, and I, I will put it in the show notes as well, so they can um, reach out and follow you. I am, and when your podcast goes live, please let me know so I can um, let my listeners know to go check it out as well. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, you go. No, you go. No, go on. I was just gonna. I, I was gonna put you on the champagne or hot seat, but we won't do that today. Um, but. Thank what is the hot seat? What is the hot seat? Oh, the champagne or hot seat where I ask you um a hot seat question, but I'll be I'll be nice. <laughs> I feel like I'm 
do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Well, Rachel wants to get on the champagne or hot seat. Oh gosh. Okay. So um, here is a champagne or hot seat. So Rachel, in the NFT space, um, who's your favorite artist? Oh. <laughs> you said do it. Oh. Right I now, like, Perrin's. Yes. Perrin. Okay. What? Wait, Perrin? Yeah. Perrin. Perrin. You know, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know that artist. Yeah, ambidextrous, Iranian, yes. brilliant. She just drew me without looking at me. Oh, sorry, without looking at the paper while I was at NFT Liverpool, and it's unbelievable. She's so freaking talented. It's crazy. See, my heart seat wasn't that bad. I was gonna ask you a tougher question, but I was like, <laughs> let me not, let me not do that, to Rachel. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. But that's you who came to mind first. So okay, you survived. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Rachel, for um, coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm, I feel so honored, and I, I just love everything that you do, and will continue to support you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. All right, everyone. That is going to be it for this episode of the NFT Talk Show podcast. Do not forget to subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their cousin to tell their grandfather to listen to the NFT Talk Show podcast. And do not forget as well to enter the Champagne or Social Club Discord and pick up your podcast listener role so you can get pings when a new episode drops. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else that you can find a podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NFT Talk Show that's it. NFT talk show. And again, if you're going to be in New York for NFT NYC, do not be shy. Come say hi. I want to meet everybody. Like come take me to lunch. Um, I was going to say I'll pay, but I can't pay for all of you. <laughs> all of you. So everybody pay your own bill, but we'll all eat together. <laughs> right. All right. So that's it for today's episode. I will catch you on the blockchain. Bye.